Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. <laughs> What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Fort Tatsana Podcast once again. I'm Josh Ovenoff. He's the one and only Angel Ortega. Lots of to talk about, as always. Lots of UFC, lots of boxing, lots of Bellator. Once again, just to remind you, our our podcast is brought to you by Rogue Energy. You want 10% off your order, use the code SOUNDOFF at checkout. That's code SOUNDOFF at checkout for 10% off your energy and all of your energy needs. Angel, my guy, hell of a card. One of the greatest uh, of the year, without a doubt. It was the one you were the most hyped for. I mean, every single time we talked, you seemingly brought up the USC 268. And, uh, you know, it lived up to the hype. Somehow, some way, it lived up to the hype. Main event, Kamaru Usman defeating Colby Covington at the Mecca MSG in New York. Scorecards being unanimous, 48-47-48-47-49-46. No knockout this time. Instead, it's a decision win for the champ. I will go ahead and ask this, though. As, as I'm sure you'll probably impress with the Usman performance. I'm sure you had fun with the fight. What was your scorecard? Because I'm somebody who seemingly thought that it was actually a pretty clear pretty clear uh, Kamara win. I didn't think that there was that much controversy. Knocked it down in round two. I thought he put in a great performance. And then I hopped on Twitter and saw that apparently everybody thought Colby was robbed. So let me go ahead and get your opinion. What? You didn't know this? I, I never heard people. Th- I never heard anybody say that they thought Kobe was raw, but I did hear people say they thought it was a, uh, it was cl- it was you know it was two two a piece and uh, and that Kobe was in and that it came down to the last round. I heard some people say that, which I was like, I don't know about that. I could see it being two two, like as far as like it was you know three two as as a whole, right? Like Kobe maybe mm-hmm. took two rounds, like that's what made it somewhat of a close fight. But uh, fuck man, there's people who thought uh. Colby got robbed. It's actually a super, super common thing. If you just go to, like, Instagram and Twitter and you check just on social media, I won't say that it's, like, a media thing. You know what I mean? Because I checked MMA decisions and I saw that, like, out of, like, something like 27 people, one of them thought Colby won. But if you check social media, it's just completely rampant with, you know, Colby got robbed, he blah, 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 you know, all that bullshit. So I'm surprised you did not see that. But um, just to go ahead and follow up, though, what was your scorecard on the night of? I'd probably say the first three Usman and then the last two Colby. I mean, he did come on on those later rounds. Mm-hmm. Fair enough, fair enough. Out of curiosity, did you give Usman a 10-8 in round two? There was a whole debate about that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which that was around which he, he dropped him, right? Dropped him twice. Dropped him twice. Which I mean, Josh, we've seen people get dropped twice in a round and ten eight not be given. So it's yeah. not it's, it's not a fucking surprise to me, you know. I'm just gonna put it out there right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean personally, I I honestly scored it uh, 48-46 for Usman, and I wasn't that surprised at all that uh, people were just crying robbery because I mean if you. I'm, I don't know how I'm touch you are with the MMA Twitter. I, I regret being a part of it, but um, just like people still bring up like Kamaru, the the nut shot controversy from the first fight where did he get hit low? Did he not? You know, 
And people like to pretend Colby got robbed in that one, and that never made any sense to me, or the complaint about the stoppage. So the second I knew the fight was going to a decision, I'm like, oh, people are going to say it got robbed. I didn't think it was that close. I thought after round three, Usman just started to coast because um, I thought he clearly took the first three rounds, and I, I gave him a 10-8 in round two because he got as close as he possibly can to finishing somebody without finishing them. You know what I mean? Oh, that's yeah. that's one of the easiest ways for me to give out a 10-8. I mean, if Colby didn't get in on, like, just barely grab, like, his foot in on, like, a, a single leg, then we're, we're not even talking about any of this. It's a, it's a round two knockout. Like, he face-planted him on the second knockdown, so... Um, about as good be, but you know, full props to Colby for ultimately getting, you know, getting to the scorecards, having a nice little moral victory. I'll ask this: as far as you know, moving forward, I think Col, uh, not Colby, excuse me, Kamaru has entered into a unique conversation, and I'm pretty sure you know what I'm gonna ask because Dana White seemingly, you know, in the words of former NFL coach Dennis Green, he he crowned his ass. Um, he stated that he is the 170-pound GOAT, despite only having five title defenses, you know, in a litany of other stuff in comparison to George St. Pierre. I'll ask this. Do you think it's time for him to be crowned as the greatest Walter Rate of all time? And do you think he's far off from being the GOAT of MMA, period? We seemingly have this conversation every time this name comes up, Josh. And you see me dismantle <laughs> this every time off air. I don't think I have the the energy right now to dismantle it on air. But no, he is not the welterweight goat. He's not the MMA goat. Uh, he's far from it, actually. It's actually kind of crazy how uh, how far he is really from it. Because it just goes to show how much you have to do to actually get there. And it's not like he's not in the conversation of being one of the best to ever do it. Don't, t- don't take it wrong. He's one of mm-hmm. the best guys to ever compete. You know? It's not impossible for him to become the greatest of all time. If anything, it shouldn't take very long if he were to do the things... At least in my opinion, I think sort of he, there's certain fights he shouldn't have taken, certain fights he didn't have to take again, certain victories that were just done. I think if he would have moved on, fought more names, I think he'd be deeper in the conversation, at least for me personally. But uh, rematching a guy like Colby, rematching Gamebred, and granted, and, and when he ended up fighting Gamebred, that wasn't his fault. That was originally supposed to be Gilbert. Originally supposed to be Gilbert. Uh, you know, it's just stuff like that. And... Uh, you know, a lot of things have happened in that time. A lot of things have changed. He's gotten better, you know. Um, you know, he's uh, I mean, he's a legitimately good guy. You know, we'll put it as it is. He's, he's gotten better. Is he at his peak? It's funny enough, Josh, because I don't even think this is the best version of Kamaru. Kamaru's at a very high level, but I think he could get better, which is scary to think about. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's already really fucking good. And he's already doing a lot. It's just like, if he just stays in the sport stays active like he is keeps fighting a lot of names you know i I don't know if he'll ever i don't think he'll ever plan on going up a weight class but if he ever does i mean i always thought that'd be an interesting matchup you know but yeah no definitely not right now Mm -hmm. yeah fair enough i'm kind of on the same uh page as you in fact i'm very I mean, look, after, like, the last one, I was, like, shocked people we were having the conversation. And I'm still a little bit surprised now. Um, and here's the worst part. So it's not even something that, like, you know, it's not even just Dana, which is disappointing. Because Dana's entire thing is, like, kind of he's, – he's definitely on the alternate side. of You know, like there's MMA fans that kind of embrace the history of the sport. And there are MMA fans that just – and it's stark contrast to other sports I've seen. Like, they just shit on everything that came before it. And, and like, 
that comes into like the argument we've had like before with Fedor and like previous fighters always getting shit on from like the older era. And Dana's taking that role, obviously, because he needs to promote UFC now. But like seeing fans just like completely down, like it's not even close. If you check out GSP's accomplishments, and I saw somebody like trying to like argue against it because like, well, who who GSP's GSP's opponents beat Colby? I'm like, that's not the argument. <laughs> and I think I do die. Prime Johnny Hendricks is a motherfucker. Prime Matt Hughes was a motherfucker. I have Matt Hughes above Usman in the conversation. Um, he had eight title wins. So it's just it's just borderline insane to me that we're having this conversation after five title defenses and four of which were rematches. It's not exactly like he's going out. If he beats – look, if he beats Hosmod, I'll give it to him. Like I'm not even going to argue. Whoa, like, Josh, he's... you're already throwing the Hosmod out there like that? <laughs> I mean hypothetically, if that fight were to happen – Right. I'm not saying it would be next, but like Usman's probably going to fight Leon Edwards next. Right. Um, simply because I don't know who else he could fight. And he beats Leon Edwards. Sure, that is a rematch. But Leon right yeah, now is all respect for my boy Vincente Luque. Leon is in a mu- is on a much better run than Luque, though. True. Fuck it. So I can't, I can't argue. So yeah. hypothetically, let's say he goes out and he beats Leon and then he beats Osmot. I would consider that strength of schedule. It'd be seven title defenses versus nine. So... It's it's relatively close, and I would consider him having beaten better competition. But we're also layers away from that. If he just goes out and beats Leon again, but like here's the thing: is like Usman, I don't think he's gonna get there just because he's talking about retirement. He's been talking about retirement a lot lately, and a lot of the time you can tell it's just kind of like a ploy. Like you know, like uh, Cejudo said he was gonna retire, and like four weeks later he was calling out people. Um, I just I don't think that's the case here. I actually think Kamara's probably gonna hang it up soon, and he just he's gonna dip and he's gonna be gone. I don't, I don't um, know about that, Josh, because he's also brought up. I think, like, I think it is a money thing still, because he has brought up fight. He has brought up boxing Canelo, which is like, I, I still love Dana's response like that to like, did he see him box tonight? <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think Kamaru saw uh, Canelo box tonight. <laughs> dude, I can't wait to talk about that because that was a great fight. But yeah, dude, I, I, that would not be it for him. But yeah, I, I honestly, I, I don't know. It's entirely possible he's actually doing that because he's actually thinking of retirement. And then he wants to go ahead and, you know, potentially get that money and then dip. You know what I mean? But it's it's ultimately – it's a completely different conversation. As far as that goes, no, Usman's not in the go conversation yet. It, in MMA, period, and then also especially at Walter Wade. Um, it's just crazy to me that people are already crowning him. But moving on down, speaking of being crowned, um, Rose Namajunas retaining her – Straw weight championship in a razor thin decision 48, excuse me, 47 48, 48 47, 49 46 being the scorecards, defeating Zhang Wei Li in a close, close rematch. So, Angel, let me go ahead and get your. I mean, we talked about the scorecards in the last one. This one, even closer. How'd you have this one? I had it 3 2 Whaley. I'm going to keep it 100. I thought Whaley won the first two. I thought Rose won the last two. That's fair enough, man. That's. That's fair enough. I actually, I'm completely honest with you. I thought, actually thought it was a relatively clear Whaley win. I was uh, so confident, actually. I was mm-hmm. really confident going into that scorecard. Then I heard 49-46, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, it's funny. Once I heard, once I I heard didn't even announce it. Once I heard 49-46, I was actually entirely even more sure. Because I was like, they are inarguable rounds. And I was like, round two, we can argue round three. I think that's what it comes down to, right? Well, have but, you looked at have you looked at what the judges scored it? Can we go through it really quick? 
Uh, yeah, I can actually pull it up. But from my understanding, everybody's argument comes down to round three. But well, I thought round two, round one, or round two, inarguable for Whaley. So the second I heard that, I'm like, round three and round four were close. I could see that. Yeah, 49, 46 Whaley. That's how it's going to go. But okay, so Michael Bell, the judge who scored it for Zhang, for like we like we said, first three rounds for her. Well, unanimously, it was a first round for Whaley. Let's just put that out there. And unanimously, yeah. the last two rounds were for Rose. Okay, then we go into mm-hmm. two and three. Where I, I'm just gonna break it down like this because I think it'll be a little easier. Yeah, I didn't go ahead. You off like that. And then two and, and now two and three and now two uh, two judges gave it to uh, to Rose. One judge one judge gave it to Whaley, which was the one that gave the the fight to Whaley. And then the third round, two judges had it for Whaley and one judge had it for Rose, which is kind of weird. That there's there was such kind of a you know separation there, but. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it gives you an idea of how hard it was. It's hard to score a card. And a lot of media gave it to Rose, too, by the way. Now that I'm looking at because I'm sure you're on a media decision just like I am. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, what was it? Was it a second or third round where she hurt Rose? Like, legitimately hurt Rose. Like, she landed the biggest shot of the round. Yeah, I believe that was round two. Yeah, which I was like, I think that won her the fight. She had a good output in that round. Like, I, I felt pretty confident about that. And I can't remember the third round off the top of my head. But I know that first round was relatively close, but I'm like, I think Whaley that won that. I thought she landed the harder shots, had a little bit more output. Like, just just did enough to win that. So she ended up taking that on all scorecards. I saw someone argue that. on. I don't know if you scrolled down to anybody's uh, decision, but, like, I think the first one or the, one of the first comments is like, how the fuck did Whaley take round one? And I was like, what? Like, I don't even know how that's – yeah, because she clearly took round one. Like Every judge had it for – but, yeah, I thought it was a clear – 3-2 victory for Whaley. Actually, I came out of that feeling like Whaley was a better fighter, if I'm going to be quite honest with you. She did have her issues on the ground, right? Which, obviously, that it got exposed. Shout out to Rose for finding that out late in the rounds. That was kind of sick out of her. And, uh, I mean, she has to get back into the lab and figure that shit out. But it, it was weird, because I didn't come out of that fight thinking, like, damn, I, I didn't think Rose was better than Whaley. I don't know. It really, you know, it really oh, didn't sorry. feel like it. Mm-hmm. And not to cut you off, but the only thing's interesting is I think this fight completely validates Whaley's point. She's like, after the first one, a lot of people were saying she's making excuses. She was like, yeah, I, I got caught on literally the first exchange. I made one bad read and I lost. I think I'm still the better fighter. That does not tell me I'm not the better fighter. And, you know, she's a class act. She even went out and was like, you know, I'm not the better fighter. I lost, but I'm not going to say whether or not she is a better fighter or not, because, look, this was a razor-thin fight. As much it was, as we're saying— It was a great thought, match. As much as we're saying that we thought Whaley won, and I think she completely did, it was a very, very close fight. And I, Look, man, this is my big issue with why this fight was booked immediately after, because now Whaley's in a really bad position. She's 32. She's only getting older. She's now going to have to figure out—she's either going to have to wait for somebody to take the belt from Rose— or she's going to have to try and, I mean, potentially move up. But she's very undersized at 125. So it's it's frustrating me. But, yeah, as far as your point about her being the better fighter, I don't know. She is overall. She was on that night. I, I don't know. I, I hated that decision. I just oh, my God. I'm actually decision. looking at fan scoring right now. Like, not yeah. media scoring, fan scoring. 52% had it for Whaley. 45% had it for Rose. I actually didn't realize it was like that. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, if you look at if you look at just by the round by round stuff, it's not even particularly close. Um, you know, it's it's a little bit disappointing. I mean, it is what it is. Um, obviously, I think we're kind of way Lee Homer's to a degree. I like Rose, but just 
damn, dude, after after all that, I just I can't stand bad for bad scoring. And I'm pretty sure Eric Cologne, uh, the judge who scored it for Rhodes, 49, 46, that motherfucker had to be like Dana watching the Canelo fight, dude. Like, there's no way you can look at me straight in the face and say that's a. 49-46. Like I said, you can even make that case for Wade better than you can for Rose. Like, that never made any sense to me. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I think the fact that how the fight went, i.e. the last two rounds just being completely completely Rose, I think really made it a lot more easy to stomach for a lot of people. Um, but it's still very, very frustrating. Very, very frustrating. Um, as far as moving on down the card, obviously we're going to skip over these two. We'll come back to them. But the main card opener, Michael Chandler, Justin Gaethje. Oh, my God. Um, Justin lived Gaethje up to the hype. It, it somehow lived up to the hype. Against all odds, defeat, Justin Gaethje defeats Michael Chandler 29-28, 29-28, 30-27, somehow making it a judge's scorecard as well. <sighs> Good Lord, dude. It is. It's uh, probably... I mean, for me personally, it's definitely fight of the year. But, I mean, what did you think about that one? It's a fucking banger, dude. Fight of the year, man, I dude, I, my, I, just have very high standards for fight of the year. Like I told you, I've watched uh, – I've looked back throughout the year, and I, I've, I've seen good fights, but I haven't been like, that's the one yet. You know what I mean? And I know mm-hmm. that's so crappy because we're coming to the end of the year, and uh, there's not really a lot of you know stuff left, right? And, uh I'm sure once I look back, oh, I'll be like, damn, that was actually kind of a banger. I mean, there's fights that have been like, that's a banger. But for me, fight of the year just has to be like this perfect mixture of everything, man. And I mean, it was up there. I'll tell you that. Uh, the only reason I, I wouldn't put it up there is just because I kind of felt like Chandler just tried to like, it's going to sound crazy, just have fun. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the, the like the victory was second in his mind almost. Like he, he did want to go out there and, and win in an essence, but it wasn't like it almost seemed like it wasn't priority. You know what I mean? It was mm-hmm. more to entertain. Which, hey man, I was entertained. <laughs> but you, you could tell that there's certain things he could have done in that fight to to be more successful. There's certain things he could have done as a whole to to maybe get closer to victory. I mean, he ended up getting fucking dropped. But by the way, you know, for for as much as people question his chin, and even I brought it up, do he eat the fuck out of that? I mean, he really did, Josh. Mm-hmm. He got fucking dropped hard. I mean, I thought it was over. I was so convinced. I thought it was over. I, I predicted uh, on my verdict card, you know, because I do the little app thing. I predicted uh, uh, Gaethje be a second-round finish, which at that point was looking pretty fucking good, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, for sure, dude. I mean, honestly, I'm not – look, I, I even said it last week. I was like, he's he's kind of late-stage Chuck Liddell in terms of – you know, just his chin, he's gone through so much. But, dude, this was his, like, if, if that comparison is apt, this is his Chuck Liddell, Vanderlei Silva fight, dude. Like, just absolutely getting bombed on and somehow, despite, like, you know, taking all that damage, still being able to stay in there and take even more damage. Um, Absolutely insane. I'm shocked he did not get finished. Very, very shocked he did not get finished. As far as the fight goes, dude, I mean... I think it was a pretty clear uh, Gaethje win. And I'll say this much, dude. I may, I had, like, a Twitter thread about this. Um, but it is uh, – it's honestly really, really impressive to me that um, – not really necessarily impressive, but, like, j- the fact that Michael Chandler came to the UFC in his late – not late 30s, mid-30s. And he's pretty much just throwing caution to the wind. Um, and, like, a lot of guys say they're going to go out and bang. And I, I actually thought that he was actually kind of flip the script on him. 
and go for takedowns and, you know, still put on a good fight because I don't think Chandler is capable of a boring fight, but probably even play it more safe. I think he's probably just trying to lure him in. But, dude, he didn't. He didn't. I mean, he went for takedowns in the second round and the third round because he was gassed and he was hurt, but that was it. Um, he's truly kind of transcended a lot of expectations just by virtue of he's staying in there. He's competing with the best in the world, and he's doing it very, very fun. He's putting on fun fights. He's one and two in the UFC, which feels wrong to me. Um, just like if you like if you were to think about how these fights have gone, it's just crazy to me that he is one and two. Um, and just like all the star power and so on and so forth. But moving forward, two questions to ask you coming out of this fight. Firstly, do you think Justin Gaethje deserves a title shot? And two, is Michael Chandler to fight to make for Conor Rigger next? Dude, this I can't. Dude, this whole conversation's God. I, I, I we're about to get into it though. Uh, where do you want to start first? Because you know you asked two questions. Let's go ahead and start with the Gaethje. You know, this is something that I feel really weird about. Like I get it. I brought up the fact that at if things worked out a certain way in the past and he didn't fight Habib at the time, he would have been able to fight Dustin for the belt. And I think Dustin versus Poirier would have been, I mean, Dustin Poirier at the time, Dustin Poirier too would have been for the belt. And I think that would have been a fucking banger. Those guys would have been, you know, uh, I felt like those guys are pretty much undisputed one and two at 155 at the time. Right. But just the way things worked out, I mean, those guys weren't in the position to take that fight or have that fight. But, uh, I don't know, man. Uh, now the winner of a, I mean, I I feel really weird about it. I feel really weird about it. I think if he, I think if Poirier wins, it makes a lot of sense. Because uh, you know, there's 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 story there. If Oliveira wins, I mean, I mean, it's it's a good fight still, but I I don't know if I'm still as interested. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, there's guys in the wings waiting, like uh, you know, and it's, it's a name that we've kind of forgotten, Josh. That I was thinking about this the last few weeks where. He hasn't even talked in the. I have actually listened to multiple podcasts, and this name's been absolutely forgotten. And we got to think about people like Dan Hooker, who fought, uh, Makachev, who's fought, obviously Michael Chandler, Justin Gaethje, and obviously Justin and Oliveira about to fight soon. But there's one name that's been forgotten, Josh. You know what name that is? Is it Benio Daryush? Benio Daryush has not been mentioned in any of these conversations. And it's like, what do you do with Benio Daryush? I mean, this is actually a great question that I want to get into now. I know we're talking about Gaethje right now. We know that Gaethje is going to. Get into some good fight, regardless, right? But I wanted to bring up Benio Darius because he's kind of been the forgotten 155er. Because look, Makachev is in the conversation. Does he deserve the title shot next? Maybe not. You know, it's like, do you think Benio is in the position to fight? Who does he have to fight? Like, I wanted to ask you this, like, on air, to get that kind of opinion out there. Because obviously, we're going to go into the new year, and uh, I'm sure he's mm-hmm. looking to get that big, you know, title fight now that he has a kid. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's actually pretty clear. I think that um, if you look at Makachev's fights, I think the only win that he has that's of elite caliber was ultimately the Dan Hooker win. And that's also the caveat of Dan Hooker took that on a very, very short notice, mm-hmm. and he's not exactly a grappler by trade. So if you look at it from that lens, I was never really high on Makachev getting the title shot next. I always thought he needed one more. And I think that one more can be Benil Daryush. The winner of that gets the title shot next. Both guys are in, on insane runs. In the meantime, you go ahead and throw that title shot to your boy, Justin Gaethje. I think that makes all the sense in the world. Okay. I wonder if they'll decide to do that or not. I could see them not going that direction at all, just so you know. Well, yeah, for sure. I think they could possibly go in a different direction, probably just because if you look at how they've kind of treated 
um, Islam. They kind of they've given him that hardcore push. Now, is it possible that they're kind of they might go away in different directions because it's going to sound mean, but they have their Habib now, and that's Hazmat Shemaev. They they are positioned Islam for a long for these last few months. I mean, dude, he he shot to number five with a win over Tiago Moises. I love Tiago Moises, but he's not. I mean, come on, dude. Like, <laughs> um, I mean, granted, certain people got moved out of their rankings too, who probably deserve to get moved out of their rankings. So it is what it is. Yeah, it's, yeah, but honestly, even from that perspective, it still makes very little sense for him to be shot to number five for that win. But even you know, even so, I just. I don't know, man. It just—I never really liked that, and I think they're probably gonna possibly step off the gas of the Islam train just for the moment. And I think they're probably gonna throw Gaethje a bone, give him the title shot. Especially considering Gaethje's been very vocal about how pissed off he is. UFC's kind of in a position where most of their stars are pissed off with them, so I don't know if they really want to do that, you know, as well and piss him off too. Mm-hmm. Then you brought up Chandler versus McGregor, which, by the way. I did bring this up. I was like, I, I brought it up to a friend. I'm like, do you really go to see McGregor get taken down by Chandler? Like, I know it's not going to happen a lot in the fight, but it's going to happen at least one time. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be an interesting fight to make. It'd be fun. Um, depends mm-hmm. on what version of Connor comes out, obviously. I think that's the most important thing. And, uh, I mean, now he has a steel rod in his leg. He's going to kick harder, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you uh, know what, dude? I, I, I mean, it'd be fun, but... Is it just me or is that like kind of a pretty crazy fight for Connor to take at this point in time, given the fact that he has lost two in a row? Yeah, and I mean, they've also thrown out Tony and Chandler and actually Tony and McGregor, which I'm surprised people don't talk about that fight being made more. You know what I mean? Mm. I think at this point in time, it actually makes kind of some sense, Josh. You know what I'm saying? I think it makes lots of sense. Um, that fight was supposed to happen back in 2016, 2017, because. Um, Remember, Tony was the interim champ, and then Connor just said, fuck it, I don't feel like fighting Tony. So that yeah. never ended up happening. I mean, if you ask me, I think the Chandler fight, I think it'd be very, very fun, but I want to see Connor get a win first. Just because if you win the Connor McGregor chain to keep on rolling, you cannot have him keep on losing, and I think he loses the Michael Chandler. Especially considering he's going to be coming back, ring rust, coming off an injury, and you're having him go against a guy who's arguably like the fastest starter in the UFC lightweight division. So, I mean, it would be fun for however long it lasted, but I don't know if it would go well for Connor. But even then, I could—I mean, I can see the case for Connor winning too. I mean, fuck, dude, his—if if Charles Oliveira can, he can like just land unlimited left hooks against Michael Chandler, I'd be very interested to see what Connor Rare can do. But yeah, I mean, from that perspective, it'd be fun, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for me personally. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. I think Tony fight makes the most sense right now. For sure. That or the Nate trilogy, but who knows what's going to happen with Nate. Well, dude, um, Nate's going to fight Hosmar. I hope not. I really, really hope not. Um, <laughs> Dad, are you going to fight, uh, what's his name, uh, the uh, the kickboxer on his card, the one who knocked out Yeah, uh, He's going to fight, uh, the fuck's this guy's name? Alex, Alex Bahia. Yeah, he's going to fight Alex Bahia. That doesn't even make any sense. But, yeah, I mean, I would not be surprised. If they have completely given up on, I, I can only assume they've given up on re-signing Nate. That's that's the only right. That's the only explanation in my mind that makes sense because they're going in the complete opposite direction of any fight he can win. Like they're trying to throw him towards Hasmat, Luke potentially, although that one would at the very least be more fun. Um, so they've just given up. I can only assume they've given up on reassigning Nate, but I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But back to UFC 268 and just moving on down the card. Uh, Marlon Chico Vera defeating Frankie Edgar via third round TKO. Um, 
I don't think there's a whole lot of, you know, to really talk about in terms of ranking implications for this one or title shots, but I'll go ahead and ask the question. Do you think it's time for Frankie Edgar to finally hang it up? Frankie Edgar probably should have retired like three fights ago, dude. Maybe more than that. Let's just give it 100. No, let's just be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just the truth. Yeah. This run's been over for a while now. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I mean, if you look at his last, I, I'm going to go ahead and be honest. I did not think he had to retire until now. Because if you look at his last, we'll go five fights. He beat, he lost to Max Holloway. He got knocked out by Chan Sung Jung. Took a year off, moves down to Bantamweight, fights Pedro Munoz. I thought he lost that fight cleanly. I, I scored that shit 49-46 Munoz. <laughs> but, it was, but it was close enough to where I was not complaining about it. Because even if I thought he lost, I was like, he looked competitive. And there were a lot of close swing rounds in there. So I was not really that upset about it. But I did thought I did think Pedro Munoz won that one. And if you check MMA decisions, I believe most people do actually think that is the case as well. Um, and then he gets knocked out in like 30 seconds by Corey Sandhagen and then this one. This is the one real fight where I'm looking at it and I'm like, it's time for Frankie to hang it up. And my explanation is actually pretty simple because, like, as far as these other fights, right, like, the Max fight was not particularly close, but Max was always a terrible matchup for him. Like, he was always a demon of a matchup for Frankie Edgar. Uh, Chan Sung Jung, you know, he took that one at short notice. I, I wasn't really that, you know, that crazy about the matchup. Took it on short notice. I was not that upset. And it was it was a we- really weird fight where, you know, he just got blitzed really, really early, and it just kind of happened. So, But then, you know, he beats Munoz, and I didn't think he beat Munoz, but it was a close enough fight. And the Stan Hagen one, he got caught early. It can happen to anybody 28 seconds in. Um, but this one, dude, Cheeto Vera, like, I thought Frankie Edgar was winning long portions of this fight. He looked good in the first round. Round two, uh, you know, Cheeto started to turn the tables. Uh, he got it from the takedown, ended up. But then, dude, round three, you can just tell. Like, the fight did not get finished until three minutes, 50 seconds in. But I felt like it felt inevitable. And for the first time since I was watching a Frankie Edgar fight, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's going to lose this fight. He's probably going to get knocked out. It seems like every single shot he was taking was having a visible effect on him. That's never something he had to worry about. He also, his gas tank slowed down a lot. I mean, he and is like, 40. Yeah, and that's the type of thing, dude. Like, you never saw that happen in Frank Edgar's prime. I think it's time. I'm not going to tell him to hang it up, but it truly depends on what he wants to be. If he wants to be a Jim Miller type, where he wants to fight, you know, newcomers, lower-ranked guys, not-ranked guys, that would be cool. If he wants to be Arlovsky, fight guys in the lower end of the top 15, that'd be cool as well. But his days as a top contender are, are completely done. And I think um, if that's his goal, then you should probably hang it up. But, you know, it's ultimately his, his decision. I picked him to win, too, man. I'm sad. I thought he could win it. I was really sure he was going to win it somehow. You know, for the first round and a half, I thought it looked pretty good. Because he took him down. He started laying his big round and pound. Things were looking well for him. And then it just tied turn, dude. Got, he got gas. Can't really expect that. You never expect that to happen for a guy. For yeah. I'm sure Cheeto feels real good for beating up a 40-year-old man. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Jesus, dude. Um, but um, <laughs> moving down, underrated banger on the card. And it's a shame, you know, this this fight happened on the night that it did. And not even the night that it did, the time in which it did. Uh, Shane Burgos, Billy Poor, until Billy Q going on after Justin Gaethje and Michael Chandler. This is a straight-up banger, dude. This was an absolute They got overshadowed, dude. Like, they got fucking it, overshadowed there. It did, and it's a shame because this was a phenomenal fight, dude. I mean, I even me, I was like, 
I had to go back and watch it actually like yesterday because I was like, I just there was such an emotional, like physical letdown after that fight. But what do you think about that one? Do you think about Chamber was breaking back into the conversation? I know you picked against him, but do you think about him and Billy Q going forward after that one? I mean, good for him, dude. Uh, I didn't think he was going to win, man. I just thought it was too soon after that knockout, especially it was such a scary finish on him. And and then I saw my weigh-ins, and he looked horrendous, too. Which, granted, who doesn't look horrendous at weigh-ins? But, I mean, he I think he quite, cuts quite a bit, too. So it makes sense. But, uh, and by the way, I, hadn't made, I made my decision before the weigh-ins. I mean, I just saw him, and it kind of just, at least for me, kind of reinforced the idea. Mm. And, yeah. uh yeah, no, I, I, I mean, good performance for him. I mean, and Billy was winning early on, right? I think he won, to, won the first two, and then Shane takes the last two. Uh, like you said, it kind of like, got really overshadowed that night, man. It really did. Mm. Yeah, of course. It just is just a damn shame because what a fight both these dudes. I have such high hopes for both of them. I mean, honestly, I'm a big Shane Burgos fan, not in terms of, like, winning the title, I think Shane still has that problem where he's still very, very hittable, but his boxing and his striking is so crisp, dude. I would really like to see him kind of fix some of those defensive issues that he's got. And then, because it's just, it's a damn shame, dude. You can tell that, like, his physical talent is there, his speed, his power, very, very good. But just, he gets hit way too often, way, way, way too often. Um, but, I mean, we'll see what happens moving forward. As far as on the undercard, there's a lot to talk about there. Um, to put it lightly, so I'm just gonna go ahead and let you take the first track. What are some of the, what are the most, you know, like the biggest fights that you're kind of looking forward to talking to, like talking about from the undercard? Rather? I mean, let me let's just get into it, Josh. I mean, Alex Pereira winning winning via flying knee. Uh, I still love what you told me about that. I think I did. I call you after that kind of. You happened? did, yeah. We talked I, about it. I did. We did. You did call me, and I, I love what you said. Uh, it was along the lines of like, do you think if you closed your eyes, you would have known Alex Pahea was fighting any? Like there was another guy in the octagon with him. I mean that shit was. <laughs> One of the, and I I should go back and listen to it and turn off the screen and actually just listen to the commentary and see how it goes. I'm actually really curious. And see how many uh, times they they mention Andreas his opponent. Yes, I think that'd be a fun experiment. I will do that at some point. I'll probably do that tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. I mean it's. Look, I, I think we still need to temper expectations. Of um, course, everybody does. The fuck? Because, I mean, here, but here's the reality. As much as like, as much as I enjoy watching Akbahea fight, and as fun as that is, and as far as it, that was a phenomenal win. I mean, he lost the first round. He got his back taken. He he showed really good defensive skills, honestly. Like. And people were like, why do, why do they throw him? Here, here's my biggest thing, though. People were like, why do they throw him a grappler in Andreas? I'm like, have you never? Andreas isn't a grappler. Like, yeah, I'm like, what do you mean? That's just, <laughs> that's what you're going to have to do against a kickboxing, like one of the goats at that weight class. It's like, um, it's like, why would you ever stand with Izzy? You know what I mean? <laughs> that's just like, yeah. a, that's, that's the best way you can put it. Why would you ever stand with Izzy? You know? Mm-hmm. Why would you ever stand with Gaethje? You know what I mean? It's shit yeah. like that. And and look, he is he's a guy that he has a black belt in jujitsu. He does, which is I mean, but he's also not a wrestler, and he's one of the smallest guys like height wise at that weight class. Really? And but he not he he's not one of the smallest, but in terms of let me let me rephrase it. I believe he's five 
ten five eleven, and he was going up against a six four Ox Bahia. Oh, so he may not oh, be. You're talking, of, talking about his opponent. My bad. My bad. My bad. Yeah. Um. He but he's definitely not like he was going to be tough for him to get him down, and he's not a great wrestler by trade. So people are like how how are you going to throw him a grapple in his first? I'm like he's really not, dude. Like if you, <laughs> he's really not. I mean if you go watch like his his most recent fight against KB, excuse me, KB Bular. I don't think that fight even hit the mat once. Like, that's just – he's not a grappler, dude. Not really. He's actually kind of a fun striker. I mean, if you ever watch um, – he is one of my most, like one of my favorite regional knockouts. Whenever he faced Marcel Fortuna, who actually, I believe, fought at heavyweight. Um, I'm not sure if you may recognize that name. He fought in heavyweight in the UFC. Um, he, like, spinning back kick – spinning wheel kick, excuse me, knocked him the fuck out in, like, Titan FC before he got in the UFC. So he's actually a really fun striker. He's not a grappler at all. But that's exactly just what happens when you're fighting against a guy against Alex Bahia. So from that, you know, aspect, I was impressed with defensive skills. I was disappointed he got taken down, though, and how easily it seemed that he was controlling him. That's something he's going to have to work on. But, dude, it's about as awesome of a highlight really can get. So, I mean, from here, dude, we're, we're in complete agreement, right? He's going to fight Kevin Holland next. Kevin Holland just pulled out with an, with an injury, too. I mean, I don't know if he'll be able to fight Kevin Holland, but it will, you know, he'll get favorable matchmaking like we talked about it privately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. You can tell they're they're pushing the shit out of this kid. Like I said, if you, if you didn't even know, like if you just close your eyes, you would have never even heard his opponent's name. Like it was all about Alex Bahia, which I get, but, you know. I'm curious to see, man, who they give him next. I'm just, uh, as far as matchmaking, because obviously they're not going to give him anybody who's going to really wrestle heavily. People are going to want to stand and bang. I mean... And they're going to have to, you know, obviously raise the level of opponent, right? Like, who's going to be next, you know, who's available right now? Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like if they were going to do it, Kevin Holland would have been, like, the perfect guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. But I, I think Kevin Holland is that guy. I think that they're just going to fully – I mean, I, I think they're getting the, the, like, the easiest possible matchmaking to possibly get there. Um. You know, but it is what it is. I thought it was an okay performance. I'm not as high on him as everybody else is, just because he's so young in his MMA career, and you can tell. Just like, you he's wait, still got Josh. Just you fucking wait when he's winning by fucking submission, flying fucking arm bars. You know, he's choking guys out like fucking Habib. You'll fucking see. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't dispute it, but uh... <laughs> just you fucking wait, man. Wait till I see you next time, Josh. Wait till I see you next. Wait time. Wait till I see you next time. Wait till I see you next time, Angel Ortega. Oh, God. Do you catch whenever they had the um, – because I thought it was really, really funny. At one point, they were obviously, like, playing that promo. And I'm not sure if it was connected, but coming out of the promo, you hear DC start laughing. (laughs) uh, Because you could just, like, hear, like, either the mic was turned on or, like, they cut the promo short. But you can hear DC laughing. Right after Colby's face is getting red, you can tell he's like a 12-year-old in the next box live lobby. Um, like I thought that was really, really funny. I'm like, dude, that of all the promos you could have for that fight, I'm like, I'm very surprised you guys went with that angle. Like, I really, really am. Like, he looks I, – I still think he looked ridiculous in that one. But that, I mean, it was a little funny, though. I, they kind of like it there. Yeah, I mean, it was – I thought it was very, very funny. Um, and I, I guess DC might have as well. So I thought that was really, really funny. I, so I we were on the same page. That. We were all on the same page then. Yeah, I hope somebody I hope somebody can find it. But yeah, as far as the other card, uh, other fights on the undercard, dude, you know, Bobby Green getting a knockout whenever Al like went to. I think it's time for Al to hang it up potentially. I mean, dude, uh, he was out forever with like some lingering injury, 
And I'm sure he makes pretty decent money off real estate. He's doing the podcast. Like, I mean, he has other things outside of MMA he can do. He doesn't have to fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and honestly, personally, I think he probably should. I think it's one thing, like, obviously, he's been out for a long time. But, like, and Bobby Green was always a really, really bad matchup for him. I was really – I did not understand that matchup at all. But, dude, Bobby Green has not had a knockout win in eight years. And Al- Ally Quint is a guy that's never been knocked out before this. So <laughs> Damn, that sucks. Bad, bad sign whenever that something like that happens. But, dude, Chris Curtis getting the win. This is probably my second favorite win of the night. That's a feel-good story there from what I know. It's it's, it's about as feel-good story as it gets. Obviously, he fought in the first season of the Dana White Contender Series before the UFC kind of realized that they can just hire all these kids on 12 and 12 contracts and get all their use out of them and then release actual fun fighters. Um, he actually got one of the one of the best wins on the – in my opinion, of this, I believe it was the first season or second season – Hook, kick, knockout, put put a kid to sleep, um, and they just didn't sign him for no reason. I think they gave out no contract that episode, despite the fact that he got like an insane knockout. And then he's like, you know, I'm done. Like I'm 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 retiring. I can't do this anymore. Like it's not worth it. And at that point, he'd already had like 20 or so fights, and he'd fought a lot of really good dudes. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm I'm done. I'm not doing it. Eventually, he's like, you know what? I'll I'll keep on fighting. Get signed to the PFL. And then he um, he gets to the championship round, I believe, or the playoffs. And he, excuse me, yeah, he just gets to the playoffs. And he loses one fight, but then, like, something happens with, like, the guy he lost who had to pull out due to injury. So he's, like, he gets a shot at the championship like, against Ray Cooper, like, the same night. And he gets knocked the fuck out. And he's like, all right, yeah, I'm going to retire. Can't do this. Eventually, he makes one final push. Like, he, like the year later, he comes back. He's like, I'm going to make one final push to get to the UFC. Gets the short notice call against Phil Hawes and knocks him out cold. So, just an absolutely insane story, dude. Shout I out mean, Chris Curtis. About as good as a story you can get. Yeah, he's going he's to have to get a quick push, though, right? Because, obviously, there's he's, he's not young. He's 34 years old. I mean, he's going to have to fight two to three times this next yeah. year. You know? Let's just be realistic. Which, at 185... You know, and, and if his skill set seems true, I could see him beating quite a few decent guys. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. you know, good luck to him. Uh, that was definitely a cool story. I, I saw his record. I saw his, you know, how long he had been fighting. I'm like, damn, this is a guy who really should have been in a bigger promotion. Soon I'm surprised, like, Bellator didn't grab, try to grab him at some point in time or something like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like you said, he lost to Ray Cooper, which, no shame, current champion. Uh, he lost to Magomed, Magomed, Magomed Kiromov who was also a former champ and fought in a fight against Ray Cooper. And, you know, that's Ray Cooper's rival right there. He lost, And he went to distance both times with him. So nothing to be ashamed of right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and honestly, it was just such a feel-good story. He's going to have to get the push soon because he's older and also you can't knock out Phil Hawes, who at this point looked fucking phenomenal. He even looked phenomenal in that fight, dude. And Phil Hawes, if he won this one, he's probably going to get in the top 15. Couldn't even blame him. Um, he beat Nasruddin Imov, who we're about to talk about, Kyle Box, a couple other good wins. So, yeah, dude, he did get, he's going to get that push. Couldn't be happier for him. Speaking of Nasruddin Imov, defeating Edmund Shabazian via second-round knockout, what the fuck are they doing with Edmund Shabazian? Like, like, I think we even touched on a little bit last week, but, like, what the fuck are they doing with this poor kid, dude? Like, I've never been more mad at matchmaking. Like, Hey, hey the ever. level did go down, though. After Jack Hermanson, but, you know, they did give him a really hard guy still who's going to come up. Yeah, the level went down for Jack Hermanson, 
to a 25-year-old killer whose only loss was to Phil Haas and had just knocked out Ian Heinish. Hey, Edmund is a 23 man. It's only a two-year difference, and their records weren't that far apart. Yeah, but it's all about momentum, dude. Like, you can't give a guy – Ian Heinish is a really, really good fighter. He also beat Jordan – like, Nasruddin Imov also beat Jordan Williams. He's a really, really good guy. He's only lost to Phil Haas. Like, I never understood that match, maybe, personally. Like, sure, he was unranked, but he probably should have been ranked. I mean, you don't – that was literally the first knockout loss of Ian Heinish's career. So, that never made, never made any sense to me. And, like, full credit to him. His grappling looked better. His gas tank looked better. And he's still lost. So, they got to give this kid, like, the worst middleweight on the roster as far as I'm concerned. Because he's not just losing. He's taking three straight beatings. And as a young kid, that's got to destroy your fucking confidence, dude. Like, he's, yeah. like, three straight – not even close. Like – that's the worst part. The remains of fight, actually, I take that back. The remains of fight was kind of close. It's until the third round where it ended up losing it. But even then, in that third round, he got fucking bludgeoned. So, um, and Brunson beat the shit out of him. Imov beat the shit out of him. It's just, it's bad matchmaking. So, I don't understand what they're doing with him. Shout out to Imov getting in the rankings, though. And I, I'm honestly, I think there's a couple other fights we talk about from the prelims. But we're going to touch on just these last two. Ian Gary defeating Jordan Williams. Angel, do you believe the hype is the future here? I mean, dude, I always said he was a good young talent. Uh, you know, I caught eye on him probably like a little bit before he got signed. Which, by the way, when he got signed, I lost my shit. I was so unhappy, dude. I was like, no, no, no. I didn't want him to get signed to the UFC yet. I, I wanted him to get to get a little bit more experience. I just said, he's 23 years old. You know, he's the same age as from, uh, Edmund. And I was like, look, dominate cage waiters. You know, do your thing. Come become double champ, you know, like do it and then come to the UFC. You know, he could have done all of that. Got more experience. Fought guys of a higher level before he made it to the UFC. Now he's in the UFC and it's not going to get any easier. You know what I mean? Mm. For sure. And look, I think he has the potential, but I'm completely on your side. I think he got signed way too soon. And I think that's pretty clear just from his first performance. Jordan Williams, I love the story. He's a tough but guy. I think we... In tough guy, we've seen though his level recently, and God bless him, it's not phenomenal. He's not a very good fighter, at least at the UFC level. That's not to say he can't one day be there. I believe he's 31. Obviously, some dudes peak later than other than not, later than others. He also has the diabetes thing going on, which is very unfortunate. It's it makes his story, but also it's a very tough thing, especially when you're cutting weight and there's a lot of other issues. But Ian Gary, that was a tough fight, dude. And Jordan Williams is piecing him up until he got the knockout. Full credit to him for getting it, but it really puts it in perspective. When Mickey Gall, as much as I love Mickey Gall, he's kind of a meme fighter. You know what I mean? Like, for lack of a better term, he's a meme fighter, and he beat the dog shit out of Jordan Williams way easier. Hey, but Mickey Gall's trying to make the turnaround, though, so we got to give my man some credit. I I mean, he might. He might. But, dude, it's just comparing and contrasting. It was not exactly the easiest. It was not the greatest performance. For Ian Gary in his debut, although I, he's wait. still very, very young. Just you wait, Josh, until Mickey Gall becomes championship caliber. Just you fucking wait. You know, Ian Gary said it's going to be him versus Hazmat for the Walterweight title one day. Are we sure I mean, it's not going to be I mean, that's not both complete. them okay, losing to Mickey Gall? For the I mean, they, let's be honest. That's not completely unrealistic. I mean, they're both pretty young. It's not like it's, it couldn't happen one day. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to argue against it. He's very, very young. they got to be very cautious with his matchmaking moving forward, though. But uh, oh yeah, um, and, and I hope he has a great and I mean great fucking agent. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think the Mickey actually I think Mickey Gall versus him makes a lot of sense next. Mhm. But I mean I don't know I don't know what they're gonna do with Mickey. Mhm. 
But, yeah, we'll go ahead and see what happens moving forward with Ian Gary. And the last fight I want to go and touch on, Chris Barnett defeating John Volante. Holy shit. This is my favorite knockout of all time. I'm one, of the knockouts, one of the knockouts of the year. At least it's in contention. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be my knockout of the year. I don't even know how you can argue against it. A a 265-pound man who actually cuts weight, I believe he weighs around 280. He spinning back kicks John Volante in the poor guy's retirement fight, too. Right? Like, oh, oh, my God, dude. That is so tough. How, how else do you want to go out? <laughs> poor guy, dude. Poor guy. I still uh, love what he said at the weigh-in. He's like, this is if you bought Stipe and uh, DC on Wish, and this is what you get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I feel bad for John Volante, but Chris Barnett, cra- class act, gives, a, gives him the mic, gives him the hype up to end his career. And I, I actually caught Chris Weidman saying something, because I believe he was in John Volante's corner. He was like, yeah, dude, like I really appreciated that. Because even though he got knocked out, at least he's ending his career in cheers rather than the awkward silence or – the sadness and you know i was like that's such a such a g move by chris barnett but yeah i mean overall dude that's a guy that uh you know he had a long path to get the ufc i believe we talked about it um how he had to go fight in japan and road fc he you know he he fought on the undercard of a roy jones card i believe uh he fought in ryzen fought in the igf he's done like a whole lot of stuff and he's been fighting Dude, his first fight was against Jonathan Ivey, if you know that name. Um, he fought him in 2009. That was his first ever fight. So for him, he's had to work so hard to get here. He's actually had to lose a lot of weight as well. He weighed at 301, I believe. Um, not 301, but like around 300 plus pounds. He was fighting in Ryzen a couple of years ago. Like He's had to lose a lot of weight. He's had to improve a whole lot. And full credit to him, dude. He finally was able to go ahead and make the transition Obviously, he had he wasn't even like a very high prioritized guy too. Like he he got in the UFC. People forget like he was a guy was supposed to fight Ben Rothwell. That guy pulled out. They called up a replacement. That guy ended up having to pull out, and they got the fight against Ben Rothwell in like a week's notice. So so happy for Chris Huggy Bear Barnett, age thirty five, five nine, two sixty five, getting the knockout win on the undercard. Just other quick wrap up notes. Dustin Jacoby got a nice win over John Allen. Um, he took that fight on really short notice. Uh, Justin Kobe is a very, very good guy, very awkward style, and he's actually still unbeaten in the UFC. His only – he had a draw at the end Lava, knocked out Darren Stewart. Going to be very, very interesting to see where he goes from here. So, yeah, and then also Odie Osborne picked up a nice win as well. But moving on from that card, from uh, – excuse me, from New York to Vegas, UFC Vegas 42. Um, we've talked about it a little bit. Sometimes they have these one-fight cards, Angel, where it's just there's one fight that's kind of, you know, the main one. I don't know about card. that. I feel like this is a terribly put-together card, like the order. We'll get into that in a minute, though. Yeah, that's actually what I'm about, what I'm about to mention. But this is not the case of that on the main card. Oh, but, no. I mean, on the main card, the right fight is to start and the right fight to end is on. But still, yeah, I feel like there's guys it's, who are deserving of on the main card. Yes. For sure, for sure. But, um... It's, I guess we'll go ahead and get into it, dude. The main event, Max Blessed Holloway making the turnaround after the most lopsided win in UFC history after he beat Calvin Cater in January of this year on Fight Island. He's back taking on Yair Rodriguez. He said he could have waited to have the title shot, but he wanted to stay active. 
and El Pantera is in his way. Will he end up springing the upset? I saw he is uh, Max is a minus 750 at certain betting lines. Um, if you want to go ahead and cash that ticket for this weekend, <laughs> dude, I have never seen a fighter as good as Yair Rodriguez be as under like, dude. Just to give you perspective, people were talking about Kamaru being a massive underdog over Colby, despite the fact that you know he beat him once already and how good Colby is. He was at highest a three to one favorite. Max is a seven and a half to one favorite. Oh, was crazy. Yeah. I heard someone say that's not enough. And here's the worst part. They might be right. <laughs> right? Because, I mean, do you think it's even possible for him to spring the upset here? I mean, obviously, we, we want to go ahead and give him respect. He's on a great run, but, you know, what do you think? I mean, with some of those spinning strikes he throws, maybe he can catch Max, hurt him. Unlikely, right? I feel like Max is so disciplined, he's not going to get caught with any spinning shit. I feel like that's his only best bet, at least for him. I mean, he's not going to submit Max. Max is, like, deceivingly good on the ground. You know what I mean? I mean, anything, I, could, I fuck, dude, we might even get a Max Holloway submission on Yair Rodriguez, you know what I mean? <laughs> mm. You know, at this point, we don't know what's going to happen. After that last performance, man, like, like we, we talked about this at the start of the year, right? And it's crazy they were going to end the year with Max pretty much. Uh, not exactly, but you know what I mean. You know, we talked about how on that night, Max Holloway might be the greatest fighter on the planet on any given day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's actually a fucking terrifying thought to think about. I mean, he beat the shit out of Cavalcade. I mean, Josh, I had doubts going into that fight. I know. I had doubts. And it wasn't I, even close. And it wasn't even close. I can't believe I even had doubts, man. It ended up being one of the craziest, single-handedly one of the crazy, greatest performances ever. I think in anything I've ever seen sports-related, man, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I've seen a lot of great shit in my lifetime, man. But I think I, as far as like an individual sport, a single guy, that had to be one of the greatest performances I've ever seen. It was fucking amazing. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I feel like if you don't pick Max here, you're fucking insane, or you're just praying <laughs> to God you hit something on the bets. Yeah. Dude, here's, here's my way of putting it into perspective, right? You mentioned how Max on that night might be the greatest we've ever seen. I have, like, of the greatest performances in MMA history, if I were to, like, lay out my top three just off the top of my head, Max Holloway has two of them. That How scary? insane is that? <laughs> like, he 50 41 Calvin Cater, who Calvin Cater, for those of you who are not, like, I understand that was his first headlining spot. Actually, second, I take that back. He fought, like, a Wednesday card against Dan Ige, which is weird. But his first real headlining spot, and he's a top five guy. Calvin Cater is a fucking dog. He is, has, like, up to that point, we were arguing if he has the greatest boxing period in the UFC. Like, he is a tough kid out of Boston who has power in both hands. It's a phenomenal jab. And his only losses up to that point was Hanada Moikano in a war and Zabit Magomed Sharapov in a unanimous decision loss. But up to that point, he like the tide had turned in that third round. Had that been five rounds, he would have beaten Zabit, which is insane to think about. So, you know, he's only get he was only getting better going to that max fight, and I could see why you had worries, dude. Like he beat he knocked the shit out of Jeremy Stevens. He beat Dan Ige. He had that really good fight with Zabit. And dude, he went out there and put it on him. Like it was like it was quite literally when I say the most lopsided fight ever, scorecards. 50-43, 50 43, 50 42, a 50 42. I scored a 50 41. <laughs> <laughs> and that's popular. If you check out MA decisions, that's a very common decision. Like, every round, but the first being 10-8. That's how I saw it. 
So, um, dude, just insane. In case you guys are curious, I mentioned how Max has a top, like, two of the three greatest performances I've ever seen. Eddie Alvarez, Conor McGregor at UFC 205 is in that conversation. And then Max against Brian Ortega is also in that conversation. Um, because I actually give the, like, of those three, I could probably give, the like, the edge to Max against um, Ortega just because, like, he had to deal with the submission threat, and he almost submitted Ortega, too. Like, like, yeah. and he beat the dog shit out of him. Like, his takedown defense was on point. He had to worry about the takedown, and he still beat his ass. And he always submitted him in that round three as well. So, yeah, full props to uh, Max Holloway. I got him easy this weekend. Is there a game plan to beat Max in this one? I think so. I believe it was Josh Thompson who talked about, um, you know, if Yager yeah, goes to the legs a lot, if he goes to the body a lot to potentially try and slow down Max, that would be interesting. Um, that may have some success later on in the fight, but even then, I don't think it's going to be enough. He's going to have to catch him with something wild, something crazy, and just hope that he's able to crack Max's chin for the first time because we've never seen anybody do that. So, um, But we'll see what happens, dude. Moving on down to the co-main event, and it's weird that this is this probably – look, dude, I, I, I like certain portions of this card. This is the worst place fight on the card. That's not to be respectful to either one of these guys. It's just how it is. Ben Rothwell, big Ben Rothwell, probably the second biggest name on the card, no pun intended. Um, he's won three of his last four. He's actually looked really, really good recently, in my opinion, despite being the age of 40. He's looking for his 40th win this weekend against Marcos Rogerio de Lima, the former light heavyweight, moved up to heavyweight uh, back in 2018. And he's, you know, he's had some mixed success there. I mean, he he lost to Struve, beat Ben Sassoli, lost Alexander Romanov. But he's coming off a win over Maurice Green, a win that sent Green packing out of the UFC. Um, so, dude, what do you think about this in the co-main spot, and who do you got? I mean, it's fucking terrible at the co-main spot, but it's heavyweight, <laughs> so I kind of get it. You know, the experiment of, you know, light heavyweight to heavyweight does not work still, Josh. I mean, we've seen it time and time again. And for what it's worth, Ben Rothwell is always able to get wins at even his older age. You know, I mean, he, you know, he did sneak by and get that OSP win, but you know, OSP isn't a heavyweight by any means. And he beat Stefan Struve, but at that point, Stefan Struve, or at this point in Stefan Struve's career, it's like, why did Stefan Struve come back? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And clearly, he's at a level where he can't beat the, uh, at least at this point in time, he can't beat the higher echelon guys. I mean, there was a time though back in. 2014, 2013, where he, I mean, there was a point in time, look, this is, this, at one point, this was a list of four, of his four-fight win streak, which is actually kind of crazy. Brandon Vera, Alistair Overy, Matt Mitrio, and Josh Barney. I mean, that's a pretty solid amount of, you know, the wins right there with heavyweights. Like, you know, you gotta yeah, give the guys some sure. credit. I mean, there's a different world where maybe he beats GDS and, you know, the fucking universe breaks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just wasn't, wasn't that one. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he had the three-year layoff, comes back, you know, loses to Arlovski, loses to Ivanov. Obviously, guys are still pretty competitive and kind of doing their thing. And Ivanov was trying to contend, but I, I don't know what he's doing these days now, if he's going to compete or not, because we haven't seen him in a fucking eternity, it seems like. Maybe we saw him last year, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, didn't see him compete this year. I don't know if he's dealing with injury or anything like that, but I'm sure being outside of the U.S. has been some trouble for him. But, uh, yeah, man, I mean, it should be clear, you know, Ben Rothwell win 40, 40 and 13 after Saturday night. Nice little record right there for him. For sure, for sure. I think it's going to be an easy win for him. But, you know, odd placement in the co-main spot. Definitely don't get it. But 
I mean, as far as other cards, on, uh, excuse me, uh, other fights on the card, what are the ones you're going to go ahead and touch on? I mean, we got to talk about the main card opener, man. Or not main card opener, actually. The one after that. No no disrespect to Song Yudong, who are saying, because that's also a banger. So I'll give him credit right now. But the following fight after that, Miguel Baeza versus Chaos Williams. I mean, Josh, Miguel was in a... Yeah, no, violence at its finest. I mean, he was in a fight, uh, a contending fight of the year for 2021. Uh, he looked like he was on a great fucking trajectory. He looked one of the best prospects of the year. I mean, if he, fought, if he beat Santiago Ponzinibbio, he'd be in a position to fight another ranked opponent right now. And, well... We're here, and he's against Chaos Williams, which, you know, they brought him back a little bit, took a step back. Chaos is coming off a, I believe, a loss, right? It was against, uh, oh, no, he actually beat Matt. I forgot he fought uh, Matt Smellsberger uh, mm. af- after the Misha um, Pahea fight. But uh, I guess it makes sense for Miguel. Good fight, banger. I mean, Miguel isn't far out of getting back into the rankings of fighting a ranked opponent. I mean, he's going to be a ranked fighter at some point in his career. I mean, he's 29 years old. He's in the peak of his uh, athletic prime, you know. I mean, he it's just going to be a better time. He's in a good spot. I mean, I think they'll be able to build him up. You know, he, he has plenty of time to be champ, so. Mm. Of course, and that's just a phenomenal fight. That is an absolute banger. Um, very, very high for both of us guys. Moving forward, because, like, I kind of hate when they do these prospect versus prospect matchups, but, dude, that's still such an amazing fight. I'm not exactly going to complain about it. Um I mean, other, you know, it's my, my second most look forward to fight. Tiago Moises versus Joel Alvarez. Disgustedly um, placed at the end of the prelims. I feel terrible. like it should be on the main card, dude. I mean, that's a former ranked fighter against a rising contender. I mean, it's fucking terrible, man. Yeah, it's absolutely terrible. I don't understand. Tiago Moises coming off his first headlining role, probably his last headlining role. That was pretty much only put there so they can have Makoto get a main event win. But, dude, both these guys in their mid-20s. Joel Alvarez, his last three wins, Daniel Bellarito, um, Joseph Duffy, and then Alexander Yakolev, great, great wins. Um, and obviously, Tilgo Moises is, he always puts on fun fights. So it's going to be an absolute banger. Song Yudong like versus Julio Arce, like you said, very, very fun fight. Um, that one should be a lot of fun. Courtney Casey versus my girl, Liana Jujua. Uh, that should be fun. Cynthia Calvillo taking on a short-notice fight against Andrea Lee. You know, I don't want to. You know, this is, I don't want to say this is like a, a cut-worthy fight for either one of them, but if they lose, they're in that conversation. Fuck um, man, cut them both. And I was kidding. I was like, damn, dude. I, I'm I'm a big Cynthia Calvillo fan, but she has lost two in a row. Uh, Angie Lee's lost three of her last four. I believe both of them are still ranked in the top 15 no. of flyweight, but that just shows how bad that you know. I mean, they'll still be in the division. I mean, there's another fight on this card where you could cut both the fighters, though. <laughs> is it Felicia Spencer versus Lee Letson? No, Courtney Casey versus Yona. Yeah, was it Yuan? Leona Jujua. Jujua, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure they're both not doing very well. Oh, I don't think Leona's there. She's she's young. She's 26. She's, you know, she's, I believe, 2-2 two and two in the UFC. She did lose to Miranda Maverick last time out, though. That is a hard. And it was a doctor's stubbage. But it, that was, she, that, she was losing that fight, though. Yeah, for sure. Um, Courtney Casey, I would not be surprised if she loses. She's on the chopping block, though. I mean, because she she's have a older negative record. and we know her level. She's like two and five, two and five in her last seven. Yeah. That so things good. don't exactly look good there. But no, if she loses that, she's 100% getting cut. There's no question about it. I mean, she beat nine and ten in the UFC. Oh, like, shit. She's that? Oh, my God. You're right. Yeah. yeah I didn't even yeah. realize her record was that, like, even. Pretty, pretty fucking bad. 
Yeah, but, you know, I did mention it earlier. I'm going to go ahead and give a shout-out. Felicia Spencer leases Leah Letson. Um, for some reason, this is a fight. You know, I mean, I like I like Felicia Spencer. I also like Leah Letson. She was on um, The Ultimate Fighter. It's her return one, fight. Yeah, the one with um, – oh, my God, I'm forgetting her name. The one that – Macy Chase on that season. Um, and it's her first fight in three years. You know – it's interesting. I'm definitely interested to see what exactly happens here and what their intentions are. Because UFC is in a weird position with this women's featherweight division where they can either go all in on it because Kayla Harrison is a free agent. And they also have, you know, Danielle Wolf, a couple of other good fighters on roster. Or if they're just going to have this fight so they can, you know, have them fill out their contractual obli- obligations and then just cut them. So, you know, who happened? Who, what who happened to that? Leah Letson? Why was she out for so long? I actually have no idea. I have legitimately no clue. Gonna have to do some research. Do some research. Figure it out, Andrew. Do the investigative work. Um, yeah, dude. So this is an interesting card. It's not very good, but it's you know, it's just it's odd placement for a lot of it. So, you know, it is it is what it is. Um but moving on to Bellator, we've got a recap and we got a Bellator this week as well. Back-to-back weeks for Bellator. Very, very fun. Um, but firstly, Bellator 270 from Ireland. It was a bad night. Um, it's a bad night for, for the Irish fans, for the most uh, part. For the most part. Um, I guess we're going to start off with the main event. The Tricky Pitbull finally getting his flowers, so to speak. Finally coming out from his brother's shadow, getting the knockout win, becoming Bellator lightweight champion. What are your thoughts about his performance and just his kind of career as a whole, man? He's definitely been the more slept-on Pitbull brother. I mean, you got to give him credit, man. After getting an eye poke like that and just putting – I mean, I don't know. That eye poke must have pissed him off so much, Josh, that he was like, oh, fuck, man. <laughs> <laughs> it was really crazy, though. It was right after it. Like, it, it, it was it was seconds after it, man. And then he, he ended up finishing the fight. I mean, good for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure, dude. Finally, uh, I believe he became the Bellator lightweight, like, not Bellator lightweight, excuse me, the all-time leader in knockouts for the promotion with that knockout as well. So, dude, he's just, um, full credit to him. Full credit to him. Uh, he's he's had to work the hard way, took the long way to get there, and just absolute full props to Patrick people finally becoming champion. Co-main event, I feel like this is kind of a bigger story. I feel like that lightweight main event, as fun as it, as fun as it was, is a fun fight. I feel like we kind of all figured that, you know, that they're kind of just holding that belt for right now. You know what I mean? Like, no disrespect to them. That's just kind of how it is. Um, the co-main event, I was far more Who are they holding by. it for, Josh? Tell me. Uh, Usman Nurmagomedov. Yeah, that's what like, I thought. What do, what do you mean? Yeah, I'm just asking. I even think that, I even think that um, Brett Primus can take it from him, too. Straight up. So, yeah, I think that's just um, I think that's just how it is. No disrespect to either one of them. Very fun fight. Very happy for Patricky. That's just how it is, though. Um but moving on to the co-main event, dude, Patchy Mix pulling out a very, very big win, dude. Um, after missing weight, after all that happened, having to go into enemy territory, pulling out the winner of James Gallagher. I feel like the story here is not really much as Patchy Mix's win as far as James Gallagher's loss. He stepped in, like this is the second time he stepped up in competition and he's come up short. What do you think about his outlook moving forward? I mean, dude, he's a young guy. I mean, there's there's still plenty of time. I think I think that's the, you know, he's 25 years old, man. I mean, he he just is now recent recent recently like reaching his physical adult male body. You know, I mean, he looks a lot better now than he did when he when he lost as far as 
you know, he's he's more developed. He's he's obviously gotten become better since then. He they didn't lose after that for a while until now. He obviously changed camps, which was a big risk for him, right? He was leaving the place that got him to eleven and one, now to a new place that I'm pretty sure did some good stuff with him. So honestly, I think him and James Cross are still gonna work together. This one fight is not gonna dictate everything. And look, Patchy Mix is you know, a little bit more experienced at this point in his career, you know, a little bit older, uh, has better wrestling, you know, not as good striking as James Gallagher, which is interesting to say because, if I mean, on the stand-up, it seemed like James was been pretty good early on. And, I mean, man, he got caught, and that's just what happens in that submission. And, uh, you know, he'll move on and he'll get through it, man. It's not a big deal. And also, Patchy Mix is also, I think he also had, like, a camp change recently. In the, so he also was taking big risks in this fight. On top of that, he missed weight. I mean, there's a lot of pressure on him, too. There's a lot of pressure on both of these guys. And uh, one guy was just able to handle it better and perform. Mm, for sure, for sure. It's, uh, it's going to be interesting watching him move forward, dude. I, they're in a very weird position on, I think, after this one, I think you probably give him, like, not a tune-up just because this is a tough fight and also he just switched camps. But after that, it's it's got to be all top ten guys move forward. You're taking your time with this kid. He's still very young, but at a certain point, you got to kind of have that consistent step up for sure. Um, as far as the rest of the card goes, dude, like I said, these boat, these weird build cards are kind of regional based. But is there anything else you want to touch base on on that undercard? I mean, the only like amazing thing that happened that night was probably Pedro Garvalho finally getting a win after having a little skid there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And honestly, I mean. I kind of feel bad for Daniel Vitral. I feel like he looked a lot. I feel like the age is starting to hit him. He's 36 now. He slowed down, man. He slowed down a lot, which sucks because he's one of those dudes that's been around in Bellator. I said not since the beginning, but like since Bellator 100 or something. Like he's been there for a long time. Oh, yeah. Um, And, you know, he gave Patricio a really, really tough fight a couple of years back. And I think. I don't know if it was like the Manuel Sanchez fight. Because ever since that fight, like he he beat Keon Diggs, but that was a fight that he probably should have won a lot easier. Than it ended up being a split decision, in which he arguably lost. And the Pedro Carvalho fight, dude, he looks so much slower. So it looks like the age might be finally hitting him, which really really sucks. But yeah, dude, overall it was a fun night of fights, dude. A whole lot of finishes on that undercard. But yeah, just overall fun one. Coming back to the states though, this Friday night, I believe. Chris Cyborg making her return. Um, you know, Cyborg's in a weird place. I think that most people will – she has fun fights and builds with that they can do. There are certain fights that can be fun. I liked the Julia Budd fight whenever that happened. Um, obviously, Julia Budd had been dominant up to that point. She ended up getting annihilated, but you know, I think she made the round four or something. Um, there's other fights they can potentially do if they want to sign sort of like a Megan Anderson, get her over to Bellator. You know, Kat Zingano has done a great run. I think she's kind of like she's put on a lot of muscle mass. She's gone back to her wrestling base. She's a fun option for Cyborg as well, which all of this conversation leads me forward to why the fuck is Sinead Kavanaugh getting a title shot? This is the most weird matchmaking ever for a title shot in any uh, probably in any promotions ever fucking history, Josh. I kid you not. Well, OK, look, it, I get it. I kind of get it. Because if you look at the rankings, right? I and, mean, those um, rankings are shit. You know that. <laughs> um, if you look at the rankings, she already beat Arlene Blenko. She already beat Leslie Smith. But, it, dude, I understand that Kavanaugh is ranked number five. So, 
and she's won two in a row. So if you want to give it to her, I kind of get it. But she's seven and four. She's 35 years old. I think, like, uh, I can name three offenses off the top of my head that are so much better. Pam Josh, Sorens. Like they could have put Sorensen. me in there, and I think it would have been a better option. <laughs> Dude, Pam Sorensen would be – that one makes a lot of sense. She just came over from Invicta where she was champ. Okay, Leah McCourt, she's young, but if you want to have, like, a real title challenger for Cyborg, that would make a lot more sense. And the Cat Zingano was a fucking layup. I don't understand why – like, what? Like, the, the timelines worked out perfect, too, for Zingano to step in there. So I don't understand why we're not getting Zingano for Cyborg, because that's, like, probably one of the best female fights you can make outside of the UFC. Like, am I crazy to think that? Probably. Oh, okay, fair enough. No, like I don't know. What I mean, what else would it be? I mean, probably it is. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, yeah, dude, it's just Jesus. Um, yeah, yeah, you here outside? Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, but we'll just go ahead and we'll just go ahead and wrap this up. And what you think? It's first round for Cyborg. I early probably, on first man. first two first three at worst first three at worst and even then third would be like really Cyborg. It took you that long. Yeah, I mean, this is not to dunk on Sinead Kavanaugh. She is tough as hell. I've watched most of her Bellator fights. Man, fuck that, Josh. Sinead Kavanaugh, no, I was kidding. I was like, dude, damn, dude. But, yeah, she's tough as hell. She's never been <laughs> finished. She, excuse me. She's been finished once. It was via cut. So do with that information what you will. But even then, like, if you look at her Bellator fights, like Olga Rubin, Katharina, Katharina Lettner, like, of her losses, she's lost to, like, three of the – three fighters in the top seven. She lost to Arlene Bledco, Jeanette Harding, and Leslie Smith. So I don't know, dude. I don't I don't really get it personally, but if they gotta I, I don't maybe there was an issue with Katzigano or something. I don't know. Um co main event, I'm actually far more intrigued on every other fight outside like quite literally every other fight on the main card outside of that one. Literally every single fight. Uh so we'll go ahead and start off the co main though. Uh, Linton Vassell moved him to heavyweight, I believe, last year, the year before. He's actually been putting in a lot of good work. Did it the right way, put on a lot of muscle mass. He's looked damn good. Knockout wins over Sergei Karatanov and Roddy Marks in his last two, taking on Tyrell Fortune in a fun fight in the Kome. Who do you got in this one, my guy? That's a hard fight for Linton Vassell. And also, Linton Vassell is 38, Josh. I mean, he's getting pretty fucking old. No disrespect, just saying. Uh, also making the, I mean, but he's doing the right thing, right? Obviously, he's realized, hey, I'm not fast enough for light heavyweight, which is weird to say, right? Because it's not like light heavyweights are really quick to begin with, but just enough not to the point where he's like, I don't feel comfortable here anymore, and is making the proper change up to uh to heavyweight, right? And he's doing it the proper way, it seems like. And uh, well, now he's getting a really fucking hard opponent in uh, Tyrell Fortune, which good luck with that, my friend. Hmm. Yeah, and that's also, I mean, you mentioned how he's getting older. Now, granted, you know, I really thought that Lynn Vassell was done. Um, especially, like, after his, his like, honestly, not, I don't want to say his title shot. He lost to Ryan Bader, but it was the way in which he lost to Ryan Bader that made me think, oh, damn, he might be done. But then the Phil Davis one where he got dominated in that one, too, I was like, Jesus Christ, man. Um, and he gets losing to Moldovsky at three losses in a row, but then he turned it around, dude. Ronnie Marks is a good fighter. He knocked him out. And Sergei Karatanov has, honestly, a hell of a chin. Four knockout losses ever. And Vassell put him out. So, um, God, that guy's been around forever. He has. He's probably one of the greatest 
fighters to never fight in the UFC. Um, full stop. So who Sergey? Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, for sure. He's in the conversation. Um, but dude, I, you know this is a tough matchup for Linton Vassell. He's obviously he's taking on a guy in ever since Tyrell Fortune lost to Tim Johnson, he's pretty much gone on a an a hell spree, dude. Um, he beat Saeed Sawa, who we saw earlier. Well, I guess it would have been last month. Pick up a nice win. Very very good guy. He knocked out Jack May, and then he beat Matt Mitrione in a very big fight as well. So this is going to be a big one. I'm going to go and take Tyrell Fortune though. Mm-hmm. But moving on down the card, dude, what are some of the fights you want to go and talk about outside of the main of the co-main? I mean, let's not kid ourselves, y'all. We're going to talk about the most hyped prospect ever in MMA, Aaron fucking Pico. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, and uh, it's – I mean, he's probably the – I mean, you said it. Probably the most hyped up guy ever. I mean, he's been – he's a wrestling god. He's been training boxing forever. Um. Things were bad, to put it lightly. I mean, he lost his first fight to Zach Freeman, but he was fighting up a lightweight for some reason. That never made sense. He moves on down to featherweight. He gets a couple of nice wins. He beat Leandro Higo, and that was a fight where it's like Higo, I believe, had already ta- uh, challenged for the title. Um, and he's still, like, really, really good now. And Pico just put him to sleep. So, night, night. and then he loses to Henry Corrales in a fight where, like, he just – he got overzealous. He knocked out. He knocked him down. Probably should have gotten the knockout, but he just got overzealous. Ends up getting knocked out. Gets knocked out by Adam Borch. He takes the rest of the year off. Comes back and he's won four fights in a row, all via finish. But here's my biggest issue: Justin Gonzalez is a motherfucker, bro. Justin Gonzalez is a bad man. Um, and I get that at a certain point, Aaron Pick is gonna have to step up. But dude, this is a tough fight, dude. He's 12 and 0. He just beat Taiwan Claxton. Very, very fun fight, though. Very, very fun one. But don't be – I see a lot of people talk about Aaron Pico. Dude, do not sleep on Justin Gonzalez this weekend. It might be fun um, night right there for them, right? Oh, for sure. It has it written all over it. I mean, the ladies on the undercard could perform, too. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. I mean, all and also, just a couple other fights, dude. Like, Arlene Blenko, Pam Sorensen, maybe, maybe the next – maybe whoever wins that would get a uh, title shot next. I, I, I don't know. Potentially, um, but we'll see what happens. Steve Maury, Raheem Cleveland, neither one of these guys are gonna be challenging for a title soon. But um, you know, I've watched. I'm a big fan actually of Raheem Cleveland. He actually had a viral knockout somewhat recently, where he put a dude. It looked like he killed him with a Damn. head kick. Um, <laughs> he's traded. I mean, I'm not, I don't think you've seen it, but he actually I mean, he is taking on Steve Maury. So good luck to him. Yeah, that's a tough fight. Steve, I believe he's undefeated. So yeah, it's good. But you know, Rakeem Cleveland, he's been around for a long time. He's he's somewhat of a uh, a veteran on the regional scene. He's fought seemingly most, uh, not most names, but like just an example from from his record, right? He's fought Houston Alexander, Tanner Bozer, he Vinny Magalhaes, Victor Nemkov. He fought in PFL. He's done a lot of shit, dude. So it's going to be a a very fun fight, regardless. Um, but also just a couple other ones. Couple quick housekeeping notes. Uh, Angel, your girl Valerie. She Valerie Loretta's back. How, how excited are you? I'm always excited to see Valerie fight, man. <laughs> um, jokes aside, her last fight was pretty pretty horrendous against Hannah Guy. Early, early, not early on. Early on, it looked good until she got taken down and the submission came in, and she survived it. So shout out to her. Yeah, she did make a lot of bad decisions though, for sure. Um, Although she's she's not facing some scrub, she's actually fighting Taylor Turner, 
record is somewhat deceiving. Um, she's currently five and seven, I believe. But she, like her opponent, she lost to Alejandra Lar. She knocked out Heather Hardy. Um, she has a couple of other nice wins as well. It's, she started off her career one at four, one at five. So that's kind of a rough start to begin with. But she has won a lot recently. So um, that should be a fun one as well. Any other fights you're looking to talk about on the undercard? Uh, obviously, you know, Cody Law. I think I mentioned him previously a while back. Might have not on a card. And also, I mean, dude, we don't even we don't even have to know this kid. But this kid, Jordan Newman, 3-0, collegiate wrestler. You know when a guy has that smaller record and he's third his career on Bellator, he's probably going to be pretty good. He's training out of Rufus <laughs> for probably the right academy for him. So, you know, it looks like he's set up for success. I'm going to have to check that out just for him. That's actually surprisingly accurate, dude. Yeah, if there's like a guy who you, that has like a small record and they're fighting in Bellator and they made their debut, they're probably good. <laughs> probably Bellator, good. They've done such like a good job getting inroads at like those smaller and like getting like collegiate wrestlers to join them. They're like, yeah, we'll let you train, take your time, and we'll let you, we'll build you up. It's pretty um, cool, man. It's really dope. But as far as MMA goes, just gonna go ahead and move on. Yeah. Last topic yeah. on this week, uh, on this week, excuse me, Kenel Alvarez defeating Caleb Plant via eleventh round TKO. <sighs> so a lot of talk about in this one. Uh, just in my opinion, I know a lot of people disagree with me. Just in my, I feel like a lot of people are gonna disagree with me in my take. But what did you think about that fight? What do you think about Canelo getting the win? And also, what was your scorecard? Uh, obviously, you don't have to have like an exact one. But what do you think about Caleb Plant's performance heading into the eleventh round? Uh, I didn't keep a tra- score hard because obviously it was hard to like watch the event and then watch yeah. boxing card. Like it was really hard. It really was. I did my best. I even had, I split my time. That's why I missed some of the fights on, on. You know the UFC card or parts of it, and then that's and then obviously missed quite a bit of the Canelo card. I didn't have the uh, honor of being like Dana and having a, uh, you know, my TV in front of me and having literally <laughs> the MMA fights in front of me. But you know that's just how life goes. But uh, hey man, I mean I'm not surprised. You know, uh, a little later than I thought. Still got to finish though. Caleb Plant is a uh, one tough fucking guy, man. Let me tell you, he took a lot of punishment in that fight there at the end. I mean, but you know you could see in him though in those he was in those later rounds. I mean. He was turning his back a little bit. He started running away. I mean, not the kind of, not what you want to do in any match. You know what I mean? You can tell it was more of a survival than uh, him bringing on some sort of offense that could lead him to a victory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, look, I feel like there's there's either two ways people talk about this fight. Um, it's either you thought Caleb Plant was getting completely washed and he was a coward and, like, um, you thought he just got annihilated, and that's why he fought the way that he did. Or you thought, you know, Caleb Plant was up winning the fight 7-3 or some bullshit. You know, it seems like there's no middle ground. Just from my, like, looking on social media, just from my looking at, like, Reddit, places like that. Um, you know, I have a different opinion. I actually thought Caleb Plant was actually looking really fucking good. I thought I gave him, like, three of the first – might have been, even been four of the first five rounds. Um it was after that, and it's something Canelo even talked about. Like after round five to round six, he went back to his corner because he was frustrated because he couldn't really break the guard. His uh, plants like shoulder roll was great. He had a Philly shell going on, dude. Like he wasn't Canelo could not land clean on him, and while his jab didn't have much on it, Caleb Plant was touching him up with a jab anytime he tried to go in. Um, and like he he went back to his corner, and he was kind of like calm the fuck down. Like you're like you're not you're not thinking. You're going out there. You're trying to bang. It's not working. 
calm the fuck down. And you know, I was like, you know what? I, that's pretty much when I had to flip the switch because I was getting really, really frustrated. Couldn't break the guard. And after that, that's when he started going to the body a lot more. You know, Plant's guard started to drop. He started to land a lot more. At the time of the stoppage, I had it um, 6-4 for Canelo. I gave him, like, a clean sweep after, like, round six, round five, somewhere around there. I don't remember, like, exactly. But, dude, it was it was honestly a lot closer of a fight. Like, I still, I told people, Caleb Plant's going to go on there. He's going to put in a fun fight. Uh, he's going to give it his all. And that's pretty much what I expected, and that's what we got, in my opinion. Um, moving forward, though, I guess there's only one thing left. Who do you think Canelo's going to fight next? Obviously, there's been a lot of conversation with moving up to 175. Will he fight, you know, somebody down? Will he try to defend the belts? What do you think is next one? I don't know, man. I mean, from here it gets a little scarier, right, for him, right, depending who def- he defends against. I mean, there's some, there's one guy in that division who I think is a pretty dangerous fight for him in the, what is it, super middleweight, right? Yeah. And uh, obviously at light heavyweight, I mean, it's completely, you know, all those fights are hard. Yeah, I think all those guys up there are, are very hard to fight for him. And I think it's just going to depend on what, he, what he's going to do. I mean, it's crazy that it's so hard to say what's next, you know, and Going down to what would it be? Uh, middleweight's going to be uh, kind of hard at this point for him. I think I don't know if he'd even kind of want to do it at this point. It's not like a crazy weight cut. It's just a matter if he wants to do it or not. And honestly, like no one, it's it's more or less like, is there anybody deserving of fighting him rather than him of fighting them? You know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's it's that crazy, man. Because uh, it's like who deserves to fight Canelo rather than who does Canelo deserve to fight? Hmm scary thought yeah dude and i mean moving forward i i don't know what's going to be next for him and like you said I mean, it gets scary and that's it's not all it's like, all legacy shit now man i mean it, it's just yeah. like if he wants to like if he just wants to be like you know i just want my resume to be the absolute biggest fuck you in the world everybody he goes up to light heavyweight you know what i mean like that's really all he could do and even then it's like why would he do that you know what i mean he doesn't really have to do it, it doesn't really make mm-hmm. sense to do it fully but it kind of does you know so question marks there yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be tough dude it's um it's gonna be really tough for moving up there though and that's not to be disrespectful of canelo's skills or anything but the reality is you mentioned that it gets harder for him and he's not been fighting scrubs i mean caleb plant is a very very despite what people might say caleb plant's a very very good fighter uh billy joe saunders is very very good like cal smith is very very good but you whenever you're moving up to light heavyweight, you're fighting some fucking monsters. Remember, it seemed like he was gonna fight Bivol before he actually signed the deal with the fight plan. And I think that's a that's gonna be a tough ass matchup. Fights Bivol, or even dude, there's there's no easy fight for him up there. So, um, it is what it is though. Moving on, dude. I mean, is there anything else we talk about this one before we close out? No, man. I mean, there's stuff going on, but nothing else we gotta really gotta mention. I mean, mm-hmm. I think next week is a was it, is it Bud fighting against Sean Porter? So I guess that'd be, that'll be exciting. A uh, week after that, we got Teofimo versus Cambos as far in the world of boxing. Uh, Devin Haney versus Joseph Diaz. And then, obviously, we got Tank fighting. And, I mean, I'm sure we all know how that's going to go. <laughs> yeah, I believe he's fighting... Oh, man, what's this kid's name? Isaac, Isaac Cruz, Cruz, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, and he's, he's, a, he's a fun guy, but he's not... Like, that's not that's not going to be a good night for him. I was much more interested in the Raleigh fight, but that's just me personally. Well, I mean, they, they had to change opponents, so it's not they really his fault. Yeah, for sure. But uh, it's going to be some fun fights moving forward, dude. I mean, obviously, UFC, I mean, you know, I think 
kind of just going to wait around for the next pay-per-view after this one. But yeah, we'll go. It's a, it's going to be fun times, obviously in boxing, really kicking up near the end of the year, all leading into the greatest fight of all time. Tommy Ferry versus Jake Paul. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode as always. Um, I'm at Josh Shimanoff. He's at Ainsler Ticket underscore one. Of course, that's sound one for all things relating to the show. Hope you guys enjoyed. Peace and bye, Grease. Mouse click.